Welcome to episode 12 of the Give Us Time podcast, the podcast that highlights the extraordinary members of our armed forces and their families. This episode, we have a really inspirational guest. She is the founder of Millspo Network, which is over 900 military spouses, partners and other half members who are connected, networking and building successful businesses. She started off doing her own podcast series called The Independent Spouse a series of amazing weekly podcasts which explores the world of running a business by chatting to our inspiring military entrepreneurs. We are honoured to welcome Jess Sands onto the podcast. So Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, hello, Alex. That was such a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so the first question, um, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? Of course. Gosh. So uh, I am, like you said, Jess. And I think the reason that I'm here and the reason that I start the podcast series is because I am a wife of a C-130 Hercules pilot. Uh, so that's my connection to the military. But I grew up in lovely Cheltenham, um, what feels like a lifetime ago. Gosh, it is actually a lifetime ago. Uh, very much away from the military world. Didn't really know much about it. And um, yeah, now I found myself married and very, very much in the military lifestyle. So you've just got to sit there. So your connection to the military is um, through your now husband. So you didn't have uh, any military background at all then. So you didn't have. Oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing then. Oh, that, that's... No, none that's... at all. So what was it like then for you going and growing up? It was good. So it was, I mean, it was a very sort of normal childhood. My dad went to work at nine o'clock in the morning, came home at half five. I went to the local school um, and generally life was good. It was a proper 90s childhood where everything was kind of safe and there were long, hot summers. And uh, yeah, it was all about Spice Girls and, and <laughs> just living a good life. I have good memories of it. So very different to the military world I find myself in now. I think my, my grandpa was probably the only person. He was in the uh, Air Force, but that was World War Two, And so everybody was doing military service. So yeah, no connection to the military at all. So it was oh. quite a normal childhood. Oh, amazing. So then going and moving forward then. So when you then went, went and met your husband, how did you go and meet them? So he was based at RF Lynham before it closed and then it's reopened as an army base. And I was living in Bath, which is down the road, as I was working as a graphic designer because I had left Cheltenham and moved to Bath to do my degree. Uh, I did my degree in graphic design and had a really good time, started working as a children's book designer. So I did lots of Disney books and princess books and Pirates of the Caribbean and generally amazing. had an amazing career and I loved it. Um, and it was just after the recession. So I just graduated just before the recession. Um, so 2006 and generally just having the normal sort of, you know, mid twenties life that you have. Uh, met up with, we bumped into, it was a, it was a night out with a load of hockey girls who had met a load of RAF boys and of course <laughs> like all classic romance stories disaster ensued and half of us fell in love with each other um which I think at the time was very fun and really exciting um which it still is now it's just very very different now um so that was the height of the Afghanistan conflict so that was 2009 so that's when I first met my boyfriend, who's now my husband. Um, and yeah, we've been married since 2014. So what was it like then going and dating? Because I'm assuming he was deployed on and off then? Oh, all the time. So the Air Force is a little bit different, I think, probably to the Navy and the Army, especially if you're air crew. So he was flying out of Lynham. Uh, they were still doing the repatriations into RAF 
Lionel at that point, going through Witten Bassett. Um, and Afghanistan was a really busy, busy time for the Air Force. So he, in fact, we met uh, at the start of October, and I think by the end of October, he was already out there. So we had very, a very quick sort of first few weeks of our relationship before he disappeared. Um, but it was a busy time. He was out for quite a few years, actually. So he didn't just go out for six months. He would do two months uh, in Afghanistan and then maybe a couple of weeks back and then he'd go out again for six weeks um, and that was back and forward and back and forward probably for about three or four years it was a busy time so constant operations constant deployments and constant worry it was a really tough time actually so what was it like then obviously you've just got to explain some of the challenges what was the biggest challenge then do you think that obviously you overcame so early on in your relationship yeah, it was a bit of a baptism of fire, I'm not going to lie. A massive war, when you first started dating somebody, is a bit intense. Um, I think it was, well, to start with, it was communications, because it was back in the days when we had blueies, which I miss. I love blueies, they're so romantic. Uh, and blueies, if you don't know, are the BFPO um, airmail that you used to send out for free. You used to go to the post office and pick up your blueies. And then write these letters, which would take about three weeks to get to where they needed to go. And then three weeks to get your reply. So there's a lot of waiting around. Um, but we also managed to have 30 minute phone calls. It was the day of the phone card where you could get a phone call for 30 minutes. And if you missed that phone call, then that was it for the week. And you were always devastated because you never knew when it was going to come in. And it was always at the most crazy times. So communication was really, really tough. Um, and especially when you'd only just met and you only just started dating. And of course, the worry, because Afghanistan was so much in the headlines at the time and the news was constantly pumping out all of this information. Um, and there were so many deaths and there were so many repatriations. And living, he was he was living at uh, Lynham at the time and, and being part of that, it was quite a, yeah, it was a really tough time. And... Yeah. Something that I, I look back on now and genuinely wonder how we all got through it because, and I've had this conversation with a lot of military wives, particularly about that time, and it was it was intense. There was a lot happening um, and a lot of worry. So I think that was the, yeah, the hardest part was the worry and knowing what was happening, the lack of communications. If there was an incident or an accident, then all the communications got shut down. So you didn't know who it was or what was happening. And then, of course, there was the day that uh, Bastion got attacked when Prince Harry was there, which is where my husband was based at the time, and seeing all these aircraft on fire on the news, but not knowing if it's, you know, if it was him or his friends. That was, yeah, it was quite an intense time and it was, it was a little bit much, actually. Yeah, yeah. What were your coping mechanisms to try and to help yourself deal with that, that period? So I surrounded myself with friends actually that was my the, my key to it because I wasn't we weren't married at that point so I hadn't left Bath I was still living there and I surrounded myself with my amazing friends and we I'm not gonna lie we spent a lot of time in the pub uh there was, <laughs> summers. There was the Olympic summer and then the royal wedding summer lots of bank holidays spent a lot of time in the pub um and they were just wonderful because obviously they knew what was happening because it was in the media um, but they were there and they had my back and looked after me and kept me busy. But also we had things like if, if something had happened and, you know, something terrible happened to my boyfriend, um, they were the ones who were going to 
sort everybody out and pick me up and take me to where I needed to go. And we had sort of a system in place and um, it was really good. But looking back on it now, 10 years later, and thinking, oh my goodness, I was a 25-year-old woman planning my boyfriend's, I mean, funeral. We, we, we were talking about funerals at the time in the pub on a Friday night. That's that's not normal. But But unfortunately, that's the reality of when you partner with somebody in the military the reality is that that death or injury is always there and at the forefront um so that was it that was my coping mechanism lots of talking and lots of trips to the pub uh, i'm sure there are <laughs> better ways to do that uh, and i know that we can't do that now uh, so we must we must find better ways to cope with deployments in the time <laughs> oh so going and then moving forward you then got married this is all these are always fun questions how did he propose to you <laughs> this is yeah so again to do with afghanistan like most of us start of our relationship was to do with afghanistan um so we were so by this point rf liner were closed and the hercules had moved to rf bryce norton and we had both moved to just down the road from there we weren't married so we weren't on the married patch and uh it was the 17th of February. And the reason I know that is because he was delayed coming back from Afghanistan. And I think he had originally planned to propose on Valentine's Day, nice. but he was late. So he said to Blenheim Palace, where he booked a table because we lived around the corner. So like, look, I'm stuck in Afghanistan. I've been the war hero. I think he bigs it up a little bit for such a long time. Um, any chance that you can sort me out a table for this weekend because I'd made a mess of Valentine's Day and they were all over it and they loved it and they were really supportive and got him a table and gave him a complimentary, complimentary bottle of champagne which was amazing but unfortunately he hadn't told me this so I chose to drive. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so we went on this very romantic trip to Blenheim Palace and we had this very romantic lunch and he just got back from Afghanistan, which is basically a dry country. So he hadn't drank for about six weeks. And um, I think he'll argue with me now, but I think he was pretty drunk when <laughs> 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 he decided to finally get down on one knee. Um, and, but I think it helps. Sometimes you just have to, you know, lubricate these things. So um, we, yeah, we were engaged. Uh, that was, I think the year before and then married the year after. And I oh. think, I think we had about two weeks with him at home before he disappeared off again. Um, but at least I had a wedding to plan this time. So it did fill the gap. Oh, fantastic. So hey, so you must have just done your wedding anniversary then. I'm just thinking at the date. Oh, no, have... it's August. Yeah, we did. We dragged oh, a little bit more. Oh, fantastic. That, that's brilliant then. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yes. So we're now married. Um, and we've heard from our guests in the past about what it's like being a military spouse. So what's your side of what it, what was it like for you being a military spouse? I think I gave it a lot of, there was a lot of hope. I hoped that once I was married, I'd be in the gang and it would be different. And it would be like, uh, like a, a, a moment where I was a bit more recognised. Um, but actually the reality was that I, so we had left Bath before, just before we got married. And I'd started my own business because I had to leave my career right we, we had a chat about it and we decided that it would probably work better if my career was flexible because the commute for him was too far so I started my own design business that I took with me to that was at Bryce Norton so 
grew my own business, spent a lot of time by myself, but networking, trying to grow that. Then we got married and I was like, right, this is it. I'm in the gang. This is going to be different. And actually, the reality was that I was still really quite lonely and he was still deployed a lot. Mm. And even though the other sorts of wives and the spouses on base did their best to sort of incorporate everybody, it's a really lonely time. Mm. So I found myself sat at home an awful lot working on my business, but not really seeing anybody. So it was, a, yeah, it was a sad, lonely time because all my friends were back in Bath, moving on with their lives and moving on with their jobs and doing their things. And it seemed like my partner was constantly deployed, constantly away. Um, and it was just a bit of a sad, lonely, isolated time. How did you cope with that? That sounds really, really difficult. You know, I don't think I really did. Um, I look back now, because this was Afghanistan was still happening, because it was a long one. And I think, I mean, you don't have a choice. You just have to get your head down and get on with it. But looking back, I don't think I really coped at all. I think I just stuck my head in the sand. And it was a really dark time and a really lonely time. And I think everybody's getting a bit of a taste of it now that we've been in lockdown. Yeah. To know what life is like without company, without people. Mm. Um, and that's what it reminds me of. It's kind of like the longest detachment ever, lockdown. Yeah. Um, but slowly I worked out that my business was really important and it was the thing I loved doing. And it was kind of the thing that gave me, it, like it was exciting and it gave me something to do. And it meant that I was more than just... A housewife waiting for my husband mm. um which i'm sure that no military wife has ever been but that's what it felt like um and i also found other people that were running their business that were around me that were really cool and doing really really exciting stuff and i thought this is it these are my people these are the people i want around me i need to talk to them because they get military life and they get small business life um and i need to spend more time with them um and so that's that's what we did so then this feels like the build-up to the Independent Spouse podcast. How, how did, did, did this come about from, from this experience? I think like in all things in business, and actually probably military life, if you think about it, it's not a straight line. It has been the wiggliest <laughs> of lines ever. Um, it started off with a, um, so I did a lot of business networking with the civilian community. Uh, which was fab but as soon as we got posted they would forget me so we had moved by this point again because my husband likes to get posted unfortunately <laughs> and I seem to be following him um so this is our this is our second posting we'd moved to and my networking group had forgotten me and I was feeling a bit miffed and then lonely again and it's another miserable winter with your husband deployed and I thought right I'm going to start a networking group so <laughs> it was called Millie Preneurs. Um, and it was just for girls because I thought that more well, military spouses were girls. I was very wrong. Um, and we met on base every month and we were going to do networking and it was going to be amazing. But actually, the reality was that we were just very lonely and we wanted to drink wine. So like, <laughs> like oh, it's a bit of a theme in this, this recording. Um, but like all oh, good ideas, things generally turn into drinking wine. So eventually it fizzled out. Um, and then I tried again on my next posting and joined up with some other spouses and we had a group. But of course, people are busy and they have children and families and it doesn't really work. And then I'd been listening to loads of podcasts and I love podcasts. It's the best thing when you're walking the dog or if you've got 10 minutes, love a podcast. But I realised that 
I got all these amazing business pals that were doing amazing things and nobody knew. And I thought, gosh, if I could rewind back to that first posting when we were at Lineham and then Bryce Norton and known that there were people doing these amazing things, it would have got me out of that slump and I would have kind of felt a bit better about this military life and realised that I could do my own things and, you know, make my own goals and achieve what I want to achieve at the same time as my husband is doing his thing. Um, so after <clears throat> a little bit of research and a very rickety sort of uh, recording session, my first ever podcast episode was recorded. Uh, it was with the lovely Haleth from Recruit for Spouses who took a punt on me and I will be forever grateful because it was <laughs> tough going for her. And if you look <laughs> at the recording now, it's a little bit rough around the edges, but it's brilliant content and it's just, yeah, it was just a very good start to a podcast. Um, and that first series, I think it went out 2018. I think I only did six episodes. Took me about seven hours for each episode to edit because I was that bad. And now two, three years down the line, I think it's 46 episodes. Series five is hopefully coming out in the spring of summer this year. And it's just taken off massively. Um, so you then went and released your first episode then. Um, and you then just decided to just, you know, evolve from it. What kind of made you keep going with it? You know, because once you, I think it's very hard to once you have an idea and then when you do it, to not get bored of it and then to try and keep it going. I think I just, I think I just love talking to people. And I love being around people, which is why military life has always been a bit tough for me. Mm. Um, and I just loved sitting down and spending a good hour like we do now, yeah. meeting other people, getting to know them, talking to them and being inspired by them. But then hearing the feedback is brilliant and it is really making a difference. And I think I think sometimes some things are just too important not to do. Yeah. And I think this is really important. And I think my dad's calls me, I mean, he'll probably say I'm a little bit bloody minded, which is why I've stuck with it. That's probably the reality <laughs> of it. But I just think that the people in this community are just so fascinating and so interesting. And we're married to people that are fascinating and interesting, but we've heard about them. We know they're ace. That's all covered. They get medals. They're good. But I think if we could talk to the partners and hear their stories, that is so much that's yeah it's just really cool and really interesting and I think it's important stories that aren't being told um and I've spoken to some truly inspirational people uh I could gosh I mean there's lovely Jodie who swam the channel with stage four cancer took her I think it was 17 hours or something crazy and yet she, I know she's like she's just a beast she's wonderful it's a really good friend wow. um, and just phenomenal but to be able to share her story with everybody which may, I mean, it may not have got out there, I think is really important. Yeah. And then I spoke to Emma Egging, who started the John Egging Trust, whose husband was a Red Arrows pilot who sadly crashed and died. Um, and to be able to give her a space to share the story that she wants to share, rather than the media, con you know, sort of idea of her story, I think is really important for her, but also so that, that wives and partners and husbands know what it's like to experience that kind of thing so 100%. That they can, yeah so that they because it is our worst fear but to know that other people have, have done that or lived through that and and there is a positive side to it yeah it's really and that's what it is that's why i keep going and that's why i keep doing it because 
I'm fascinated by these people and I think everybody should have a little listen to it. I completely agree, completely agree. And obviously the independent spouse was doing really, really well because it's a really good podcast. And then it then rolled into and evolved into, um, you then took it to another step and you founded Millspo Network. And do you want to just tell us about, first of all, what does Millspo stand for? Just so our listeners can hear. (laughs) Yeah, so Millspo stands for military spouses, partners and other halves. Um, But actually it's all encompassing. So we have veterans, well, we have veterans partners and we also have widows um, and generally anybody that's been affected by military life that has started their own business. Oh, brilliant. So how did this idea come about how did you decide to then go and change from the podcast and then doing uh, this next uh, this next chapter so I was paying for zoom so I record my podcast on zoom and I was paying for it and I thought I'd, I'd been to an Amer- the Americans are really good with their online networking um and this so this was I think this was May 2019 or maybe 18 I think it was 19 and I'd been to this online party where they'd use breakout rooms and I thought this is a really good cool way of doing online networking with a load of people that I've met that are scattered across the world and the UK without you know that are all military partners who like me have got a networking group that's a local one but as soon as we move they're all going to forget us and I thought we could create networking online and um, we could meet each other every month and then not have to worry where we live and then we could actually meet in real life one day when we inevitably get posted to the same place. So I had this idea um, and wrote in my poor husband and my poor sister one night <laughs> to try and work out if we could do virtual well, virtual networking, which is now called, um, on Zoom. So we all had, so my husband had a laptop and a phone and I had my phone and my computer. My poor sister in Bristol was hooked up to all these different computers that she had. <laughs> And we tried to do breakout rooms with the three of us to see if it would work. And I swear the ringing is still ringing in my ears from the feedback. It was pretty horrendous, but it worked. And I did this little like uh, test on virtual networking one night. And we had people from Cyprus and Germany joined us. There was only 12 of us. And we did this online networking session and we all shared our businesses and we had a good chat. And it was brilliant because for some of us, it was like the first humans we talked to all day. <laughs> and it was a success and we loved it. And we were able to talk about business, which is very rare in this military world when we've got exciting partners. Um, and I thought, gosh, I quite enjoyed that. Maybe we should do this more often. So inevitably, like all things, a Facebook group was started and to try and get people to come along to this networking. And this is the before COVID and lockdown made video less scary. So it was a little bit challenging to get people to actually talk on video, but stuck with it because like I said, I'm a little bit bloody minded. (laughs) And every month since, uh, yeah, since that May, I now do an online virtual networking, which has come into its own during lockdown, but will continue way after. Because I genuinely think it's the best way to run a business and to connect with people in business. So, uh, so yeah, COVID has helped. It has been a positive that has come out of this. Yeah. Um, but I just, yeah, love it. Really enjoy it. And now it's this big Melspo network, which has got, yeah, like you said, over 900 people. Which is fantastic. And we do events every week and we have made real friendships in real life. And hopefully once it's all over, we'll meet people and actually have real life get-togethers. <laughs> and it's going to be brilliant. 
So, you, I mean, you must have spoke to hundreds. I know you've, I know, I know you've spoken to hundreds of military spouses. Um, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges that military spouses are facing? Obviously, in, you know, COVID right now is one of them. But um, what are the others that you think um, our military spouses are facing at the moment? So I think it's always isolation. I think that's the the, the main thing. And I think, obviously, like you said, COVID is here and there's a lot of us, that, well, a lot of us in this country, obviously locked down, but abroad that can't come home. And yet our partners are still going to work every day because they are frontline and they are operational. So they're still getting deployed for months. So there's somebody who's getting deployed for a year that I know while a, a global pandemic is happening. So the usual pressures of military life that we contend with every day that we contend well quite well with and we do our best have sort of been compounded by COVID life so we've got people that have got children that can't get a break and then there's people mm. like me with no children who are just so lonely and yeah it's it's you could be isolated with family around you could be surrounded by people that are isolated and yeah. all by yourself and I think that's the the reality is that we are still sort of slightly forgotten we're still sort of you know we're meant to we're, we're always being called resilient military wives are so resilient it's like yes but also i'm knackered and i need some help and i'm really lonely and mm. yes i'm resilient but can, we don't need to use that as an excuse to just keep carrying on yeah you know we, it needs to be sort of acknowledged that we're doing really well but yeah. but it's still very very lonely yeah. um which is why. So I do. We do weekly meetups online. Yes. In the Millsboro group, purely to talk nonsense to each other, because there isn't anybody else to talk to. And there, the you know, even though it's meant to be a business networking group, we very rarely talk about business. We yeah. just talk about the state of the world or our magnolia walls or our very crazy curtain choices. Because sometimes you just need people to talk to. Yeah. Um, and that's the real that's the real heart of it. It's not really about being doing business. It's not making money or being Alan Sugar. It's yeah. it's meeting people that are like you that understand it and get it and want to support each other. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think it hasn't changed since Afghanistan and Iraq. I think mm. we're still lonely and having to cope with deployments. But um, yeah, COVID has compounded it. We're just very yeah very lonely and isolated. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, I think, can agree with what you're going and saying there. Um, what do you think, obviously, you're stepping up and doing your part at the moment with what you're doing is creating a networking, so, uh, um, a networking system. What else do you think needs to be done from your point of view to, to help military spouses at the moment? I think it's really little things that are so easily done because I say this a lot to my to when I talk to the the partners online I'm like but what do you want because now we've got this platform we can ask for what we want and it's so varied because somebody might have want help with ch uh, childcare or you know they might need help with gosh anything but it's never because we're not the same person and because we're all so different because basically we married somebody in the military so we're not going to have everything in common with each other um but I think just it's just such a small thing i think it's acknowledgement that it's been a really tough time and maybe if the mod or senior 
uh, military leaders would just say, we know it's really tough and we're we're here for you and we have your back and let us know how we can help you. Just mm. just because I think in the military world, we kind of as dependents, which is one of my least favorite words, but <laughs> embracing it. Um, I think we just sort of every, a lot of stuff is taken away from us. And yes, it is our choice to marry who we pick, but sometimes love does get in the way. Um, but we don't get to choose where we live, really. Mm. And we don't really choose where our, pe- where our children go to school or um, what we, you know, what we really do. And some mm. of us choose to live separately from our partners so they can go to work. Um, yeah. So we're kind of out of it. It's just little things like not being able to pick up your own rail card or, mm. you know, if you're an officer's wife or partner being allowed to go in the mess without being sort of supervised it's all these yeah. little things are taken away from us so to just acknowledge that we exist and we're here mm. and to go what do you want we're proud of you mm. you know we know you're here i think would make such a world of difference completely agree with you i completely agree with you there um I'm looking around it looks like a lot of military spouses create a very um creative and they create their own businesses um do you think that is down to the fact that you know um, you can just be you can be moved? You can be. I think there was a statistic about military spouses in, in, in employment, the lack of knowledge that you know um, uh, employers don't fully understand it. Yeah. So I so I never even wanted to start my own business. Actually, I was quite happy working in house and doing working in publishing, um, but kind of gave up after two or three attempts of getting a job where people went why have you moved house every 10 minutes or they would work out that my partner was in the military and they had experience maybe their dad was in the navy or something or and they'd go no you're moving we don't want to employ you which is changing Mm. and it is getting better and there's lots of work happening around that um but I think it's just because we well partly because we well some of us move house a lot and it it works and it fits around childcare. um but also I think it's because military serving personnel seem to attract people that are similar to them Mm. who are you know go-getters and and can be passionate and really innovative and I think self-employment and that kind of person goes so well together so even though a lot of us would just love a you know I say a real job but (laughs) you know a salary and a pension and you know health care that kind of stuff that you get (laughs) when you have a, a job with a boss um, and company and, and Christmas parties and I just feel like I'm just slowly getting more and more jealous but um, <laughs> it just doesn't really fit with military life and so I have chosen self-employment and a lot of people have other mm. people are making employment work mm. um, it's just that that the understanding around employment is still not quite there yet yeah. um, so that's a big part of Millspo is trying to change how people view military partners yeah because yes, we do. I do an awful lot of crying and wait for my husband, but yeah. also I'm pretty cool and I can run a business and do amazing things as well. It's just a balance. And I think more people need to see that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Are you are you doing anything, sorry? Um, you know, you went and said you're um, Millspo is trying to go and recognise that. Is there any sort of campaigns that you're, you're running at the moment or? So we have the Millspo movement, which is so it's all about showcasing and it's all about encouraging people to grab the the label of military wife, husband, partner, whichever one you associate with and not being ashamed of it and claiming it and owning it. So that when you go into those job interviews and they 
and you inevitably hide it mm. if it comes up and if people uh find out about it you go yes but i'm amazing because of x y and z yeah so that the conversation changes around it so that people relate military spouse and partners with these amazing people so that the people that follow it's an easier journey for them and it's less hard work and also just basic things like talking to your partner if they're serving um mm. especially if they're decision makers in the MOD and saying mm. to them look at this group of amazing military partners look at what they can do with so little support and so little resources and they're still rocking it yeah so you know let's big them up and let's support them in the same way that veterans are so very well looked after and quite rightly yeah. um it's you do the same for military partners and oh my goodness we would take over the world i've always said <laughs> if you want something done ask a military partner to do it and you'll get it done so oh brilliant brilliant yeah well, I, well that there leads on to my next question perfectly and that is what is your favorite thing or aspect about being a military spouse Oh, I should probably say it's my husband. Uh, obviously, without saying, obviously, without saying, it's my obviously. husband. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll rephrase it. Apart from your husband. Apart from my husband. Because <laughs> uh, he will listen to this and, uh, yeah, tell me off for that. Uh, so, I think it. I think it's the, it's the people I've found. And, yes, it's taken me a while to find them. And, like I said before, military partners aren't all the same. So, we're never going to find people that are exactly like us. But scratching the surface and working my way through all these different postings and finding my people has just been life-changing for me and there was a time when I was going to give up because it was too tough and I didn't particularly like the people I was surrounded with but now that I've got the Millsboro group and business owners that are like me doing amazing things that are so inspiring um that's my favorite part I've got like a group of pals that are really cool, but also understand when yeah. I complain about my curtains or another deployment or those boots that never get picked up. Yeah, um, yeah that's what it is. It's the, it's the partners that really inspire me. That's the best part. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. That's a great answer. <laughs> I just wanted to go, how was, um, for any people who are listening who aren't, you know, who are civvies, how would you go and describe the difference between being a military spouse to a normal spouse? Well, you know what? I don't think there is. Because I'm very much, I'm a very much a civilian still. I'm not by any means serving. And in fact, I mean, I'd love a medal, but um, <laughs> don't, yeah, I mean, I'm not getting shot at at the end of the day. I'm not in on the front line and I'm not doing these crazy things my husband seems to do but I am picking up the pieces this side and I'm supporting him an awful lot and I don't think there's a difference between me and my civilian friends it's just that I think I've been there's been a little bit more pressure on me I was gonna use that cheesy you know phrase where you put pressure on coal and it turns to a diamond but nice. <laughs> I can't say that because that is a bit naff but I think that's the difference I think I've just been toughened up because I haven't had a choice I've I've chosen this life and this life has thrown me around a little bit because we've I think we've moved like five times in six years and that is yeah. intense on new friendships so that's yeah. quite goodly um and I wow, think it's a lot of times. It's a lot of times. Postcodes. Don't ask me about postcodes. <laughs> um, no, I don't think there is a difference. I think, I think we've just toughened up a little bit, and I think we really 
value when things are going well because yeah. we've known the reality and we've known how tough it can be yeah. so that when things are going well we I think we really appreciate that yeah and I think that's really important yeah that would be what I think is the difference oh brilliant brilliant I just say uh, you've moved around so much well we know Without being biased, where was your favourite place? (laughs) I've said that and it's going to be really hard for you to answer because of it. But where was your favourite, your favourite place? And it was just, you know, just because you liked it. (laughs) I think, oh, I wish we've had a few rubbish. I'm not going to lie. It's been a few, but we've only been there a year. So it's very difficult. I think, I mean, so we based at High Wycombe for at least 11 months. Uh, but we had a there's a married patch that I probably shouldn't tell everybody about because I will want to live there. But it's in <laughs> Medlam, which is halfway between Marlow and Henley, and it's on the river. And it's it's an old um, it was where they discovered the U2 bombing sites yeah. where they used to launch the U2s, and it was an old intelligence base. Now it's an amazing posh hotel that nobody can afford to stay at. But the married <laughs> quarters are still there, so they still have the houses there. Um, and it just happens to be down the road from Marlow. And Henley, which, I mean, in the real world, you'd have to be a multimillionaire to get to live anywhere near there. So that's pretty cool that I managed to live there. That's the good thing about, I think, military life is, yeah, you can end up in crappy places sometimes and the middle of nowhere. But sometimes you get a really cool posting. Yeah. And it's basically like, okay, I've got a year. I'm going to do all of the sites. Oh, and then we move to somewhere else. So at the moment, we're in central London. Oh, brilliant. That's fun. Which would be if it wasn't a pandemic, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have faith that at some point we'll be free and then I'm just going to spend the year doing all the London things. And I think that's the secret to it. You just, you just have to find the positives and yeah, it sucks. And those first couple of months into a posting, it's like, oh my goodness, not again. I don't know anybody. Where is the supermarket? I've got to get a doctor's and a dentist. This is rubbish. But if you, if you embrace it and go for it, then it's a lot less painful than whether you you just think this sucks and then you spend a two three years yeah feeling sorry for yourself well you've kind of um answered my next question there but it was um what would you go and tell uh, a um someone who's brand new to being um, a military spouse what would you go and 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 tell them as for advice i would say before that very first posting if you don't have to move, try and hold on. To, it's terrible. My husband's going to hate this, but try and cling on to the life that you had before just a little bit longer because yeah. you will miss it terribly. And in it, it's 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 so important to have those foundations, to have your home, and to have your friends there. And I would say once you do get posted, and if you choose to move with your partner, nurture those friendships, nurture those civilian friends yeah because they're the ones that that know you from before before things get too tough and before things change um but also they're away from this life and even though this life is amazing it's quite uh, like all-encompassing and you're living in it and you're you know surrounded by people You, you need that balance and you need those original friends and I've got some truly awesome friends who will stick by me no matter what but I really have to look after that friendship and yeah nourish it but equally you can find some amazing friends in this military community and don't think just because you met them once and they're you know not quite your cup of tea that you won't get them just scratch the surface a little and get to know them because 
in the same way you've got civilian friends for life, you can find military friends for life who will look after you as soon as you retire um, and will genuinely be the best friends. No matter where you get posted, they'll always get it and always know it. So that would be, yeah, embrace, I just think embrace every moment and it's going to suck as well, but embrace every moment, make some friends and look after your old ones. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. Now, Jess, we all now want to know a little bit more about yourself. Oh. So I want to know what your favourite family holiday was. Oh. So family holidays. Oh, unfortunately. So we did not have much money when we were growing up. So the 90s. Uh, like I said, I think I've got a bit of nostalgia for the 90s. So we used to go on magical mystery tours where we would do day trips. Oh, brilliant. I could never afford to stay anywhere. It was really sad. Um, but we would go and, yeah, jump in the car and drive to the Forest of Dean and have a day out in the Forest of Dean and drive back. And it was because it was a magical mystery tour. We never knew where we were going. But I also, I have really, really fun memories thinking about it, is caravan holidays. Yes. Which were just brilliant. We used to go and there was like a local, like, I mean, it's not a nightclub because it was like the family's club. Yes. And they used to like do competitions and dancing and loved it. But you know what? I don't think it was, I mean, we could have gone to the like Maldives and had the best time ever. <laughs> I think it's just spending time with yeah. your family that actually matters. Oh. Um, but yeah, bit of bit of caravanning in the 90s. Oh, amazing. Yeah. All right. Best holiday now of the last 10 years oh there's been so many oh okay. yeah but you've, you've got to pick one and i know it could annoy some people but you've got to you've got to pick pick one if you've gone on a on a friend's holiday you know you can you might have to oh, cut no. cut them out there's so many this is the problem when you marry somebody in the military they we do a lot of traveling they love traveling yeah. <laughs> so it's really tough i think um so we went to Peru. My husband, I keep mentioning. Wow. Husband. Yeah. So it was his idea. It was an adventure holiday. I, I say adventure loosely, as in he made me do walking and stuff. And I, I'm very, I'm very um, clumsy, and I tend to <laughs> die on most of my holidays. So if there's a, a, like a, a ladder to fall off or a, yeah, yeah. So we went to Peru. We went to Machu Picchu, which was life-changingly wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but I did get altitude sickness and. Um, yeah, it was a bit intense. Oh, that sounds that sounds really really <laughs> horrible. I know, but yeah. I mean, but at the same time, Peru. That is oh, it was a... worth the sickness. It was just yes. Wait. I feel I'm I'm gonna. I mean, I need to ask you a follow up. What's the second best then? Because I'm now I'm oh. now really intrigued. Because you've said you've said that, and the bar's been set so high with Peru that I now need to know the second best. The second best now, because I'm now just intrigued. <laughs> so Sri Lanka so we do so we've done what? a lot of, yeah we've done a lot amazing. of big holidays I know because we're very aware of the like it's the military thing it's it's life could change so drastically and you know it could be terrible so we do go hard when we go on holiday amazing. um so I've gone from going to like caravan holidays to traveling the world but Sri Lanka is the most amazing country in the world if you can go because it's like so we went to India which is brilliant but it's like India but with it's like it's like it's like the whole of India in a t in a small island. So you can do tea picking, or you can see leopards on a safari, or you can be on a beach. It's so it's a small it's a quite a big island, but it's for all those different experiences. Sri Lanka is amazing. 
Oh my god, you've had an absolutely creeping out of incredible holidays. Yes. yes. I just, and I think you went and said there, you went and mentioned how important are those holidays for you when you know when your husband goes and comes back, obviously. They're the most important part. That's why we do it. They're the most important part of our relationship because I just don't see that man. Yeah. We he works he works so hard and fair play to him but equally I do as well and yeah. we're in it and we're loving it but by the time he gets home and it's you know half eight nine o'clock at night or a weekend's flown by yeah it just isn't the chance to talk to each other and having time away to get to know each other again and to well for him to decompress mm. and for for me to to just <laughs> yeah just to get to know him again is really crucial to our relationship because he has spent so much time away from me and mm. without those that time to have that big chunk of time together yeah. um it is just not gonna it's just not gonna work and the reality is at some point i will say to him you need to pick me on the military yeah. and he will be miserable whichever side he picks <laughs> really, yeah i know despite my best thoughts he would be sad if he couldn't fly um but so they're so important and I think this year being in lockdown and not being able to go away together yeah but still having lockdown together so still having that chance to talk but not having that quality time has really been yeah it's really been evident yeah yeah oh wow well they, I mean as a military charity that provides hot respite breaks we know all well that you know how important those holidays are for people um and I mean, this has been fantastic. And we've got to my final question. This has been so, I'm, I'm really sad because I'm really enjoying this. Um, so my final question is, what does family mean to you? Oh, I think family is so, it's so important. And and I think in my military, so I would say my military family is, is, is bigger. It's not just me and my husband. It's, mm it's our friends because you because when you move away from your family you have friends around you that become your family yeah um and it's it's they're your support system when you're on your own and they're your people to talk to and yes it is just me and my husband in our family but our wider family is what really helps both of us get through military life yeah and uh, it's it's crucial to it um and I will say that spending quality time with people, as we now all know, because we're not doing it, makes the world a difference in this military life. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And to any military spouses who are listening, who want to go and get in contact and be a part of your network, how would they go about doing that? So I think the first place to head is the website. That's milspo.co.uk, M-I-L-S-P-O. Um, and from there, you can get pointed to the Facebook group or if you're looking for the Independent Spouse podcast series, you can do it that way or just search for it on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And Jess, what have you got going in the future? What exciting projects are you up to next? Well, we're going to recover from lockdown. Of course, of course. <laughs> and once we get out of that, uh, hopefully real life meetups, because I've met so many people. I haven't met them. I have seen them on the internet and got to know them and they're my friends. Um, and we're going to meet them in real life which I can't wait because these people have got me through lockdown yeah. and we've got through each other through deployments and all this craziness and it's going to be so good to see them. 
So there's going to be a lot of real life Millspo events, uh, lots oh. of networking, lots of actually meeting people and leaving the children with our serving partners so we can go off and do stuff together oh. um, and have lots of fun. That is a plan. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And what kind of amazing ho- holidays do you have planned next? I'm assuming there's some sort of Brazil, Argentina. <laughs> is Hawaii on the cards he keeps threatening honestly my husband keeps threatening to book holidays and as wonderful it is I think we just need to get through this there was talk of the Maldives because we've been and it was just so wonderful um but we have spent a lot of lockdown talking about holidays so I think we're just filling the gaps places that we haven't been before um so gosh I don't know I mean I'd just like to lie down on the beach but I think he's probably got something planned, like trekking through the, some sort of rainforest or something. I don't know. Well, all I can say is look forward to your holiday on Mount Everest, because I feel like <laughs> that's where you're going to end up. <laughs> I think I will. I think I will. <laughs> oh, my God. Jess, it's been absolutely fantastic. I've loved every minute of this. This has been so great talking to you. It's been so fun. Um, well, thank uh, you for having me. I just want to say before I go that yes. I love um, Give Us Time and I think it's so important. I think if you're listening to this and you're not in the military community or you want to support the military community, this is such a good way to do it because it's not just about um, veterans or injured people. It's about the whole community and especially the people that are serving who are working really hard. Um, just having a little holiday makes such a difference and it is so appreciated. And I know loads of spouses love Give Us Time. Um, so that's my like my little appeal to get oh. some holidays for you because it's just so important for us. Jess, thank you so much. It was absolutely lovely. This has been absolutely brilliant. And I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to episode 12 of the Give Us Time podcast. Again, a massive thank you to Jess today. Thank you so much. And make sure and everyone who's going and listening, I am going to go and include in the description how to get in contact with Jess and Millspo and the independent spouse. So if you are listening, you do want to get in contact, you can do that. Head over to the description. Uh, make sure to like and follow Give Us Time on all your social media so you don't miss out on future podcasts and future events. And guys, thank you very much for listening. So have a lovely day and thank you.